0: We're going to be talking about God's better plan. See, we talked about how man—that's why that scripture was read because it was right after uh, the fall. Uh, Eve gave Adam the apple, and and Adam, uh, by the way, Adam was totally responsible because it was his job to protect his wife, and he he would just must have been standing there like da 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 why she was being tempted by the devil, uh, and he ate the apple. He took a bite just as she took a bite. But then God makes a promise. Okay, that is, uh, the the verse 15 is the proto-evangelical, if I said it right, it is the first gospel. It was God's promise for another plan. Not another plan, by the way. It was the plan. It was always the plan. God knew when he created man, what man was going to do. It didn't take God by surprise. God doesn't have a plan and then go, Oops, oopsie, I better change my plan because they did something that I didn't expect. I mean, he's God. He knew what they were going to do, yet he created them. So even before the creation of man, God had decided that he was going to send Jesus, his son, part of the Trinity. You see, today's episode, today's episode, duh, what am I, I don't know, I don't know. It's been a long day. Today's chapter shows the importance of the blood of Jesus. It really shows uh, why the blood is so important. We are purchased by his blood. Acts uh, 20.28 says this. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God which he Obtained by his blood. See, that's why I take my position very seriously. Because this was brought, all of us were brought at a cost. The cost was Jesus' blood. But we get peace through his blood. Colossians 1, 18 through 19 says this, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fulfillment of God was pleased to dwell. And we are redeemed through his blood. Ephesians 2.13 says this, But... Now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And we are healed by his blood. Isaiah 53, 5. Way before Jesus was ever born. Way before, Jesus, this is how we know God is who he is. And his plan was set in stone. He writes in Isaiah fifty-three five. he puts this, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was cursed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And 1 Peter 2.24 says this, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. That's why I keep saying there's a cost to following Jesus. He brought you by his blood to cover your sins so that we can die to them sins and live to righteousness Because by his wounds, you have been healed. See, we will see the importance of the blood of Jesus when we get to verse 22. But first, we're going to talk about the symbols of the plan. See, God is amazing. So through history, he gave the the people of the Old Testament, he gave them... A foreshadow of what was going to happen. Hebrews 9, 1-5 through 5 says this. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared. The first section in which were the lampstands and the table... And the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain. Was a second section called the most high place. Having the golden altar of incense. And the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold. In which was a golden urn holding the manna. The and Aaron's staff that budded. And the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat of these things. We cannot now speak in detail. See, there was a place where they had to go to get their sins forgiven. This is the place where all of the sacrifices would take place to forgive their sins. See, the tabernacle, as it held all uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant, a symbol of the presence of the Lord. That's what it was. That, that was a symbol of the presence of God. Verse 6 through 7 says, These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regular into the first section, performing their ritual duties. But into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offered for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. So once a year he would go into the the inner tent, and he would offer up a blood sacrifice to pay for the sins of the people. blood as always had to be being paid for sin so so God is saying this is this is foreshadowing a coming Messiah the 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 the, the, the Messiah that was talked about in Genesis 15 315. verse 8. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshipper. But deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. See, the Old Testament practices and sacrifices were just symbols. They were just symbols. God wanted them to understand what was coming. So they were supposed to continually pass these traditions down the line of how to sacrifice, how to do all of this. And the problem is, is the reason it is spoke in Hebrews 9 and, and it goes through the detail of the symbols is because guess what the Hebrews were doing? The, the, uh, the, the Jewish people were going back to the traditions of temple worship. The traditions of making sacrifices for sins that have been paid for. It was over, but they were going, well, is Jesus really enough? Is Jesus really enough? Did he really do that? Is he the most, the best? And they said, "Mm, we better make a safeguard. We better stop. Offering sacrifices and going back to the temple and doing all this stuff. And it's Jesus plus. See, I believe that as Christians, we do stuff. But not to save us. They were doing stuff to save themselves. You see, Christianity is finished. Like It's done. You're saved. Grace saved you. Okay? But, then you do stuff, not because it's going to save you, because you get to do stuff, because your king saved you, and now you get to be a part of the big picture. Okay? These people that are being written to in the book of Hebrews were saying, it's Jesus plus whatever. See, there's two things you can do. You can give your money, you can give your time, and you can give your talent thinking that it's going to earn you a spot in heaven. Okay? So, yes, God's grace saved me, but now I've got to earn that favor. That's one way of looking at it. Or the other way of looking at it is, God saved me, now I get to be a part of his big picture. That's how I look at it. That, that That's what I want all of you to look at it that way. That, that God saved you so now you get to be a part of the big picture. That you get to be a part. That God wants to use you and your gifts, talents and money to take that message out to the world. Not because it's going to earn you a better place in heaven. Because it's not. But because you get to be a part. I can't even believe that we get to be a part of God's plan. I can't believe that he goes, hey, I'm going to use you. Every day when I wake up, I'm like, God, oh no. Why did you choose me? I know me. Yet he chose me. And I can't believe that. And he chose all of you. He said, hey, come, follow me. And what that does, by the way, if you get that, what I'm saying. See, work-based Christianity, meaning that I've got to earn it, means that I've got to meet an expectation, doesn't it? I've got to do a good job or else. But if I get to be a part of his plan, I can be the screw-up I am. Okay? Do the best I can at all he asks me to do. And I'm not winning any more favor. But I'm getting to be a part of his plan. And he's not judging me because he just asked me to be me. He wants to use me for me. I can go back. I believe that God made me loud for a reason. I believe that God made me loud because he knew what my profession was going to be. I messed around with a bunch of other stuff, and this is what he was calling me to. He was calling me to not a profession, but a calling. And he was saying, I need to make you loud because sometimes people don't listen. I believe all the attributes that God gave me, he gave me for this position. And I believe he did the same for you. That he wants to use you. Verses 11 through 14. Starting in verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through a greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. You see the where Jesus is, the temple that Jesus is is perfect because it's the heavenly tent, it's the heavenly palace, it's the heavenly man-made. See, we made man-made the, the the tabernacle to God's specifications but it was made by God's ha- it was made by man's hands it wasn't made by God's hands it was made by God God just gave them the print to to build it the heavenly temple the heavenly tent the heavenly king palace whatever you want to call it it was made by God himself so it is perfect So, where Jesus sits right now is perfect. That is because Christ is the perfect priest. And is now in the perfect tabernacle. Verses 12 through 14. He entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of goats, and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls, and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer, sanctify for the purifications of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify at our conscience. From the dead from dead works to serve the living God Christ did not use bloods of animals he gave his own blood see all of the animals that died in that temple to worship and in the tabernacle to worship were just a foreshadow of Jesus being the true Lamb, the true Lamb of God. John 3.16, we all know it, for God shall love the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal life and 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, to cleanse us with all unrighteousness. See, He did that. He did that with His blood. He washed you clean with His blood. I think sometimes we forget the cost That Christ paid for our salvation. I think sometimes we forget the pain that Christ went through to save us. Because I think if we don't, if that's not the reason that we act the way we do, I think we all are selfish. If it's not because we forget what was done. Because... Because every time you commit a sin, if before you committed that sin, you pictured Christ in the garden, then Christ being beaten, then Christ being nailed to a cross, and then pierced in his side, and then still committed that sin, knowing that that was the price paid, I just think when I sin because we all do I'm not thinking about the price that was paid for that sin I'm glad that that, that Jesus did that for me I know that we all deserved hell I know that that is where we all belong. But because of that, because of the sacrifice that he meant, he did. And the, the, the once and for all, that's why he says on the cross, it is finished. That we now are free. But we're also, if we could, if we could start thinking, look, that's the price that was paid for my sin, the habitual sins that we do over and over again, I think would stop. I'm not talking about the, the slip-ups with a cuss word here and there or a or slip-up with uh, stuff that just happens. I'm talking about habitual sins that we do over and over again. We just say, oh, I've been doing that my whole life. I'm not going to stop. Well, you're saying that God can't change you, which is silly, If you're saying that. His sacrifice washed you clean. Yet we do the same sin over and over again. I mean it's like C.S. Lewis says. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't have his quote here. But he says we're like children. Playing in a mud puddle. Making mud pies when there's a sunny beach out there that we can make beautiful sandcastles at. That's my paraphrase of what he said, but that is pretty close to what C.S. Lewis says in in Mere Christianity. Because we don't get it. We're playing in the mud when there's paradise right in front of us. The true mediator of the plan. Verse 15. Says this. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. See, Christ, we talked about this, Christ is our mediator. He intercedes between God and us. So he stood in the gap for us. He is still interceding for us. I mean, I think it's so awesome to know that Jesus is praying for me. He is praying for you. Because that's what interceding means. That he is interceding for our lives. Verse 16 says, for, that, uh, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. You see, there was an old covenant, and for the new covenant to be inherently ours, the will... A will, everybody who knows what a will is, okay, not the will of my will, a will that somebody left you something. Jesus left you the new covenant. So when you accepted him as your personal savior, you accepted the terms of the will. That was the proof of the new covenant. He had to die to give you the will, the inheritance, everlasting life. Verses 17 and 18. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. When Moses, the blood was sprinkled by Moses before Christ was born. John 3 14 through 15 says this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus was lifted up on a cross. He was nailed there, so he could mediate between God and us. I don't understand why God would do this, by the way. I, 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 I love the fact that he did do it, but it blows me away that we worship a God that would die. And not only just die, but die brutally for somebody. I mean, because it's like the question, the old question that we always ask. And you go, oh, yeah, I would die for that person. All right. Okay, but, but, but say you knew how you were going to die. Okay. Uh, okay. He died for people that were, that were horrible. Spat in his face. Didn't love him. Okay. Not only did he die for them, but he died brutally for them. See, this is the thing we don't understand. It's easy to say, okay, I would die for Shelley, okay? That's easy for me to say, because I love Shelley. Okay, Robert left, okay? If you said, hey, would you die for Robert? I'd be like, mm, really, God? Do you see what I'm saying? That I love all people, by the way. I, I don't like all people, but I love all people. Okay? I'm not called to like everybody. I'm called to love everybody. And I, I try to do that. I try to love everybody. I don't have to like everybody. Uh, some people are hard to get around. But it, that's what I'm saying. But Jesus did die for Robert. Jesus did die for all of those people that you can think of that are wicked people. Jesus died. Jesus died. For them. It's amazing that you think about it. Paul, who more than likely wrote the book of Hebrews, maybe. There's a big debate until, but there wasn't a debate until the last hundred years. Before that, everybody thought Paul wrote Hebrews. But anyway, Paul was a murderer of God's people, Jesus' people. Paul pursued them on purpose. And Jesus obviously died for him because he, came, he became the most prolific writer of the New Testament. And this is what I get. Jesus went back to that cross on purpose. He knew he was going to be beaten. He knew they were gonna push thorns in his stall. I can't even imagine the pain of that. I had a splinter once that went in here and came out here. And it was bigger than a about, it was at least as big as a fawn. And it stuck in here and came out here. And when they tried to pull it out, I was on a job site, it broke. And I left it in my hand for the rest of the day. And it was a quarter by a quarter at this end. I, that pain, just from that, one little splinter, stopped this whole arm moving by six hours in. I can't, so I understand pain, is what I'm trying to say. I can't understand the pain that Jesus went through. He had flesh whipped off of his body he had bones stuck in his skull, and then he had to walk to the place of his execution, partway carrying the crossbeam of his cross until he couldn't stand more. By the way, he was sleep deprived too. This all happened. Bam, bam, bam. He didn't get to sleep. He didn't get to rest. The last time he slept was before the Lord's Supper. He is sleep deprived right now. And he did all of that for you. So he could mediate for you. So he could be the sacrifice that you needed. Verse 19 and 20 through 21 says, For even where every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. In the Living Bible puts it like this. This is the blood that makes the beginning of the agreement between you and God. The agreement God commanded me to make with you. That is a power phrase of what just happened. That, that when Moses did that, he was saying, this is the covenant that I'm making for you. I'm making a covenant with my people that the only way you can be clean is by being washed with blood. Everything that was used in the temple was washed With blood. It was sprinkled with blood. The only way you are going to be clean, the only way I am going to be clean, is to be by the blood of Christ. And verse 22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. See, without blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus became God's lamb. John 1.29 says this. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, this is John the Baptist, says, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus still had three years of ministry ahead of him. He was called the lamb of god John the baptist knew why he had came he knew that he was the lamb he knew that he had to be sacrificed and finally the security of the plan verse 23 Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. You see, we needed a pure sacrifice. The earthly tabernacle was just a symbol of the heavenly tabernacle. Abraham looked for a city not made with hands. You see, heaven is where Jesus is sitting right now. After he, he sacrificed himself, he came back and he went to heaven. He's sitting on a throne right now. He's sitting on that throne. Standing in the gap for you. Interceding for you. That is a promise that is secure as long as you've put your trust in him. In him. Hebrews 11.10 says, For he was looking forward to the city that His foundation has, has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another To love and good works. (laughs) Verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit. I've just changed my my page flip. That's what happened. I'm like, sorry. I'm like, I'm in the wrong place. For Christ has entered not the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with the blood. Not his own. For then he would have to su- had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. See, God, Jesus, every year. Can you imagine? Can you imagine living in that time? Every year, you had to you had to sacrifice. You had to you had to have a have a sacrifice that was as pure as a sacrifice can be to take into the temple to offer it up to God to pay for the sins of the people and there was multiple different sacrifices they did at different times of the year but this this sacrifice we're talking about is the, is the once a year sacrifice could you imagine what they had to do and then we live in a time where Jesus came he paid the price because his price was so amazingly great that it was once and for all and it's over it's done the price has been paid in full you know it it that's what it means in finnish by the way it is paid in full contract closed it's like if you own your own house if you paid off your mortgage that's what it's like you've got the you own it that is what jesus is saying paid in full you don't have to worry about it that's why i keep saying There's no pressure to to being a Christian. There's no pressure to your performance. So it doesn't matter how good you do what you're supposed to do for God. It matters that you're doing something for God. It matters when you leave these doors and you go out of this church, that you are not living for you, but you're living for Him. That you are our witness to the world because you are secure in what he has done for you that you you don't have to worry about it anymore verse 27 and just as it is in as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment see we know all must die. All must die. Everybody is going to die. It's inevitable. Where you go after you die, that's the, that's the big question. But dying, you were dying from the day you were born. That's inevitable. Our bodies break down. Disease happens because we live in a broken, fallen world. Accidents happen. We're all dying. But after death comes judgment. Revelation 20, 11 through 15 says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. For from his presence... From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. See, people don't like talking about it. But there is a judgment time. There is a time that you are going to face God, and if you don't know Him, if you don't know who He is, that's why I can't but we want more people to meet Jesus, because we know that this time is coming. It might not be coming for 500 years, it might not be coming for 5,000 years, it might be coming tomorrow. We don't know. I'm a firm believer that Jesus says, I don't know. And if he didn't know, I don't think I'm capable of knowing. And I don't want to know. I want to live for Christ in the moment every single day of my life. And if he comes back today, I'm cool. If he comes back after I'm dead, I'm cool. I know who Jesus is. I know where I'm going. And I know I'm going to face him one day. But I know and you should all have comfort in this if you've put your trust and your faith in him you're in i've always a fun believer that he's going to ask you two questions when you die do you believe in my son do you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal savior i don't know if he's going to word them like this and if you say yes you're in but the next question is, well, you accepted Christ, and I'm talking about myself now. You accepted your you Christ when you were uh, just before you was 33 years old. What have you done with what What have you done with knowing that? For me, since you've known me, what have you done with the knowledge? That Jesus saves. Think about that. I really believe that 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 is a question that is going to be asked. Not that it's going to get me in or out of heaven because it's not. But I believe that we are left here for a reason. I believe every word of this book. I believe that Jesus Died for me. I believe that Jesus rose from the grave for me. I believe that Jesus ascended to heaven and that one day I will get to ascend to heaven and be in God's presence. I believe all of that. I believe it does. Yes, it does it matter. I believe that God saved me, but I believe it also if it, if I really believe that. I need to change. I need to be a different person. And it's a process. And we'll be working on it till the day we die. But we need to be working for God, not against God. And finally, verse 28. So Christ has been offered, been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. The Christ who died for our sins is one day coming back. John fourteen one through three says this Let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. It is where not if not if it were not so. Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be. So, Paul says this. We are justified by the blood of Christ. Romans five nine says, since therefore we have been now been justified by his blood, much more shall we we be saved by him from the wrath of God. See, the word justify means just as if I didn't sin. That's how God sees you. When you look in the mirror, is that who you see? Because that's not who I see when I look in the mirror. I I don't see what God sees. God sees me as perfect. Yet I'm not perfect. That's pretty amazing. That's how he sees you. In Romans 5 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It also assures us of heaven. John 5.24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And eternal means a long time forever. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You know, it's passages like this that make me think, You know, it really doesn't matter how I die. It does. I would like to to die in my sleep, if all possible. But it really doesn't matter because it's really going to seem like a flash. And then I'm going to be like in in the presence of God. And it's going to be like dead life. I think it's going to be the most amazing. I mean, I think that experience... I don't know what I'm going to feel when I get there because I'm going to be in such awe that I'm in the presence of God that all of this, what I say, is really earthly stuff. But it, it is just amazes me when I think about texts like that that I'm just going to die. So it really doesn't matter how. And then I'm going to be alive again. That is amazing to think of. That's why I have a problem with people when, 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 when they struggle Sometimes with with like uh, I wanna live, yeah, it's good. I think the best thing for me is for me to die. I will stay here as long as he wants. I think the people you leave behind are the ones that, that, that miss you. I'm not gonna miss you guys. I'm gonna be in heaven, I'm gonna be with God, and I know one day the people God has called are gonna be with me. That's gonna be amazing. John 14 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We live in a world today. We live in a a world of of Christianity today that would argue that that's the truth. There's people that call themselves Christians that say there might be more than one way. And and I, I could mention some. I'm not going to but i could mention some that i know have done interviews on public tv where everybody could see it that have have stated that fact that that jesus is there could be many ways to heaven then i think you need to burn this book if you believe that and never preach from it because jesus didn't say that he said he is the way he is the truth and he is the life he doesn't give As an option. The songwriter Robert Lowry. Wrote a song. In 1876. And he asked this question. Actually he asked the question. We know it as. As. Sin, but he actually, the first line of the the, the, the the hymn originally was, What can wash away my stain? And it quickly changed to sin within, like, it wasn't even like years. It was very quickly that that word in the song came, What can wash away my sin? And the answer to that is nothing but the blood of Jesus. So read Hebrews 10. 1 through 18 to get ready for part 13 of a series. Jesus is the better sacrifice. Whenever you're ready, John.